It's so good to be back at Grace Christian Fellowship in sunny Milwaukee and enjoying the goodness of God at Beth Messiah yesterday and, of course, hanging around the Sislers and some of the broader church family, both uh, within Grace and Beth Messiah. God is good. I have been coming to this church now for 11 years, but I have known Frank for 13 years. The joy of returning and becoming part of a church family is all bound up in the power of relationship. And it's easy to say that we are in relationship with one another, but we genuinely have walked with each other through our mutual uh, histories, through our individual histories and collective histories. So we fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We also fellowship with one another. Yesterday at Beth Messiah, we began to look at what the Lord was beginning to do in the 21st century church. I feel I'm at the heart of this. Not that I know a great deal or have a vision of God's overall plan for the 21st century church. Like you, I'm a work in progress and I'm learning all the time. But do you know what? Everything I have discovered thus far is very exciting. It makes you realize how much God loves the church and how every century God has a specific plan and purpose for the church to fulfill his mission on the earth. I know this is a missional church. You have missions in your DNA and you have apostolic um, unction in your DNA. Praise God for that. But in many ways, the church is designed by God to be his showroom on the face of the earth, that he can showcase the body of Christ in a way that impacts society and impacts individual human beings. God believes in the church, which means God believes in you and I. The church is the only institution on the face of the planet that's an institution of saving grace. We have very powerful and exclusive knowledge at a local church level. Anybody can come into Grace Christian Fellowship this morning from any part of Milwaukee, whether that's the great and the good coming in the front door or someone who's way down in the luck. Any one of us can lead them into the ways of salvation. We have the knowledge of saving grace. Whether you are the newest believer in the church or like Frank, you've been around for decades, decades and decades. I was tempted to say centuries. But getting there, Frank, getting there. This morning, we're going to take this into the realm of the personal. Because last century, the church once again became a prophetic organism. That We moved out of theoretical and theological Christianity into a practical and experiential Christianity. 
My Christianity began on the 8th of July, 1983, and it was an experience I've never forgotten. The power of God hit me. I didn't have the message of salvation. I didn't even really know who Jesus was. I had heard of him, obviously, but there was a lack of detail. That didn't matter one jot or tittle to God. He gave me an experience that transformed my life. When we walk with Jesus, we should be living in frequent experiences of Jesus, a major component of being a latter part of the 20th century church, early part of the new millennium church, was to discover the power of prophecy, to understand that we are a people that God speaks to. I believe the cutting edge of the prophetic movement introduced to the church a core theme that God speaks to his people. But it was to go deeper than that. Not only were we to live in a revelatory base of acknowledging that God speaks to his people, but the Lord was laying down a mandate for you and I as individuals and as Christian communities that we would learn to be a hearing people, that we would learn to walk with God, that we could hear the voice of God. With that in mind, I would like you to turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah 30, verse 18 to 21. I suspect many of you have read the following Bible verses many, many times, especially Isaiah verse 21. Are you ready for a little bit of revision this morning? Are you ready for some breakthrough insights? Because I know you want to be a hearing people. In fact, because I know the heartbeat of this church so well, I know you want to walk at a place of depth and maturity as a hearing people. Isaiah 30, verse 18. I love these Bible verses because it's as much about the character of God as it is the intentionality of God. Therefore, the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, she will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or 
to the left. I love that last verse in particular. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. I read this Bible verse as a very young Christian. I came to understand that God is a God of guidance. Later, I came to understand that God is a God who speaks, that in the new creation, He has opened up the ears of our spirit that we can hear His voice. This is not for the chosen few, or as they say in Alaska in the month of January, this is not for the frozen chosen. This is for every believer. God has given us ears to hear. We do learn as we walk the walk of faith to tune into God's frequency. We can learn where to seek out the voice of God. We can learn to identify when God is suddenly speaking to us. That's when I have found out how clearly the Lord is not an evangelical. He does not have a strict list of do's and don'ts. When I will turn up, when I will not turn up. God has spoken to me through documentaries before. It gets worse. Even rock documentaries, stuff like, Lord, are you sure you know what you're speaking through here? God is in the communication business, but there is always in God's communication divine purpose. Our salvation has divine purpose. In the shorthand, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. One of the hallmarks of Authentic Christianity is a man or woman confessing Jesus Christ as Lord, but having in their history as a believer fruit that remains, ideally fruit in other people's lives, but fundamentally the fruit of Christian character developing in their own lives. In other words, as Christians, we have a theology of God, but more importantly, out of that theology, we need to have an experience with God. The two intertwined brings us to a place of truth. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. So when we live in the truth, we live in a person. Truth is a person. And the truth that Jesus is brings you and I to a deeper walk of freedom. Paul said in Galatians 5 verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. The truth that Jesus is, the truth that Jesus brings always sets us free. It begins with the theology of a promise. This word is way more than a promise book, 
but I'm so grateful for the promises of God. But if my journey begins and ends with only the theology of a promise, no experience of that promise, there's a limitation in my Christian life. But when the theology of promise encounters divine experience, I move into truth, and truth sets me free. So, wherever we're at, living in the tension of theology and experience, there should be a creative tension in our minds and hearts this morning behind and between a theology of promise and experience of promise. That creative tension sharpens us. It hones our spiritual eyes and spiritual ears. That creative tension is part of being on a journey with God, but ultimately positions us to be children of promise. We live in a world system that seems to take great delight in demolishing people, a world system that's like the gladiators, where only the strong win, only the strong survive. In our kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, with all of life's ups and downs, we live not in the dogma and law of Christ Jesus, but we live in the truth of Christ Jesus, whether we're living in partial experience, deepened experience, or profound experience. Our basic orientation this morning in this wonderful church is simply, in the eyes of heaven, we are children of promise. To know we are children of promise enhances our relationship with the Lord. I suddenly feel a lot better regarding my relationship with the Lord and acknowledging I'm a child of promise. All of a sudden, the battles and the struggles and the contemporary issues of my life take on new meaning and fresh appearance. Being a child of promise takes us in a walk of spiritual walk. It leads our spiritual walk heavenward. It takes us to a place of setting our minds on things above and not on things of the earth. This vital, fundamental, revelatory insight takes us to the realm of where God has spoken. As a prophetic church, participating in the word of the Lord, the danger for all of us is to have an overemphasis on personal prophecy, to look at personal prophecy as the only way God can speak to you and I. I'm so grateful for personal prophecy. North American prophets frequently passed through Glasgow from the mid-1980s all the way through the 90s, would pick me out of a crowd and prophesy my calling 
global, America, prophecy, all the stuff I've been doing now for almost 18 years. And I would think, how can that be? Nobody knows me anywhere. I'm not even Alan who. I'm Alan why in the minds of so many. But the power of the prophetic word given to us one and one. Well, we all have our own stories to tell as a maturing church, as a church that thanks God for the power of prophecy, but looks heavenward with a mature mindset, with a mature spirit. We hear the Lord say back to us, we are a prophetic generation moving into a time of consolidation. Consolidated people are believing to hear the voice of God. A new fundamental for the 21st century prophetic church is simply, simply learning to read the Scriptures prophetically. That this Bible becomes apostolic when it needs to be apostolic, but also takes us to a place of being a prophetic book, as well as a, an arena where we can draw pastorally from. It can also be a source where there's good teaching input. And yes, cometh the hour, cometh the man, we can receive from this book evangelistic thrust and evangelistic words that will reach our culture and begin to change our culture. But how do we read the Scriptures prophetically? The danger is we're looking for something dramatic, something incredibly supernatural. We don't go looking for burning bushes. We don't look for the heavens to part, and all of a sudden, Elijah, Moses, and Elisha standing on a mountaintop saying, Do you, would you like to read Philippians 2? God is something he wants to say to you. I encourage you to be very practical about this. The preparation time is simple. So simple, even a Scotsman gets it. The eyes of a spirit need to be cleansed on a day-by-day basis. The ears of our spirit need to be cleansed on a day-by-day basis. That's why we have the blood of Jesus. That's why we have the grace of God. I encourage you, as you read the Scriptures prophetically, not to look at grace as something on the margins of your life, something that you will only call on if you have needs Meanwhile, you can get on with the daily routine of life and do quite well. I encourage you to get up in the morning and look into the face of God and say, Lord, I'm going to burn as much grace as I can today. This is going to be a high and mighty grace-burning day for me. Have a competition in this fellowship to determine who can burn up the most grace in a day by day basis. Grace is for the church. I used to think grace was the vehicle whereby sinners came to experience Jesus and led them into the new birth. Actually, 
all sinners need is a little forgiveness or a lot of forgiveness, as the case may be. But grace is for the church. It's for you and I. We can cleanse the eyes of our spirit and ears of our spirit and ask the teacher of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to begin to speak to us through the Scriptures. The Scriptures are designed by God to be a place of encounter and experience. I flew across the Atlantic on Friday, and the Lord gave me a little part of a Scripture from John 15 that I meditated upon and meditated upon. I started writing down the Scripture, and I was getting a stream of consciousness that stayed with me even when I went to bed on Friday night in the Sussler household, the content of that scripture, while not dramatic and profoundly supernatural, gave me a very deep night's sleep. That's experience. That's encounter. You and I should have a working knowledge of when God has spoken to us over our lifespan. Yes, it can include prophecy. It can include prophecies that you have received from others that have impacted your life and set the course of your life. It can include arenas when you know God has been speaking to you. I can remember times of deep emotional struggle in the year after my mother died and I was not doing well emotionally, I was very negative in my mind at times and lashing out because I was hurting. I wanted to point the finger at other people and wasn't doing well at all. God would often speak to me through unsafe people. I remember a mailman speaking to me and I was lambasting somebody that had hurt me and I heard this unsaved mailman tell me, you know, in this life there are just some people that are very sick spiritually. And I looked at him, and I knew fine well Almighty God was speaking through this unsaved man. This was decades ago. It's going way back into the midst of time. God speaks to you and I. We should know where God has spoken to you and I, and when God has spoken to you and I. The charge, in terms of our responsibility responding to the voice of God, is to go on the journey of prophecy that is worked out in a daily walk. The journey of prophecy leads us to a walk of prophecy. One leads to the other, they are not mutually exclusive. They are intertwined, very much part of being a 21st century church. The journey of prophecy takes us into prophetic development. Prophetic development is a vital part of divine processes that are taking place in our lives right now whether you're in a good season, a hard season, 
There are prophetic processes taking place in a life right now that are absolutely vital to our future. As Westerners, we tend to have a linear perspective in life. We think in straight lines. We think of this is where we are at today. There's a straight line in front of us that paves the way forward for the future. So we're prophesied over. We hear good things. We look down the line and think, okay, Lord, five years from now, X marks the spot. That's where you will fulfill that word, maybe. Then maybe 20 years down the line, that's when you may fulfill uh, another part of a prophetic promise you've given me. When we think in linear sequential terms, we miss the point completely. Because prophecy, when it's viewed from a linear perspective, is nothing other than a functional role in our life. It means that things are going to happen in the future, but meanwhile we will get on with that which is important. In other words, prophecy becomes a means to an end. When we live in a linear, sequential perspective, we only will have a functional relationship with God. We will call upon God as and when we need Him because of the functional nature of our relationship with God, we will miss out on so much that is a vital part of our ongoing prophetic development. Whereas prophecy, the journey of prophecy, and I'm going to finish this message in around 10, 12 minutes or so. Is that okay, Pastor Frank? 15 at the most? 15 Scottish minutes? The journey of prophecy is designed by God to be cyclical in nature, to be fundamentally a relational experience with God and the great emphasis on the journey rather than the road, rather than the, the outcome. The journey is all about the road to fulfillment. It's the journey we take on the road to fulfillment that determines how we mature with age. It's a tragedy to see in the life of a believer uh, an embarrassing fact that he or she immatures with age. We want to be a people of stature, a people that mature with age personalities at times need to be tempered. I've got to watch my own personality. There's a part of me that's just a big joker and loves to laugh and laugh and laugh, and that's good. That can be an asset socially, but there needs to be a limit to that side of my personality. Otherwise, I will take on the persona of an idiot. The journey always balances us. The journey is designed by God to bring us to a place of maturity. However, for you and I, 
as we bring this message to a conclusion this morning, it boils down daily to the walk of prophecy. It narrows down to a daily walk with Jesus. Our walk with Jesus is highly relevant in the context of our present circumstances. The walk of prophecy will introduce us to a language that can make sense of our present cycle and season of our lives. It helps you and I to simplify the walk of prophecy when we comprehend that before Almighty God, we live in cycles and seasons. Right now, your career is in a cycle. Your marriage is in a cycle. Your family is in a cycle. Your finances are in a cycle. Your ministry calling, your call to kingdom service is in a cycle. All of those many cycles are taking place in a season. It's what makes life fulfilling. It's also what makes life very painful at times. When we understand the walk of prophecy and take our hands off the steering wheel and take our hands off all the events and incidents that are running in our lives and move into a Christocentric perspective. In other words, we're saying, Jesus, you're our Lord over this. You're Lord over all the cycles going on in my life at the moment. You're Lord over the season. Even when the pain in certain cycles is biting pain, bringing confusion to our lives, bringing hurt, even destruction to our lives, we can pose the question, Jesus, what does your lordship mean? In that area, this cycle, the other cycle. We begin to get kingdom answers that address earthly circumstances. Sometimes there's divine silences when we put that question to the Lord. Here's a prophetic art, learning how to interpret and discern divine silence accurately. It's the advanced class for a prophetic generation where divine silence no longer depresses, but actually encourages. This will sound twisted Scottish logic, but some of you will get this. When I've put to the Lord a question, what does your lordship mean in this cycle? And I hear nothing. There's a point I will say, Lord, I hear what you're saying in nothing. I interpret what that silence means in this cycle. And I'm really encouraged because while God said nothing, he said everything and I got it. This might sound like I've been taking ridiculous substances before I got to church this morning. But hang on in there. Hang on in there. And the Spirit of grace will catch up with you. This message is Christ-centered, not to do-it-yourself Christianity. For in a walk of prophecy, we're depending on God to set the pace. God may say, quick, quick, slow, slow, faster, faster. 
He is setting the pace with us. We are not setting the pace with him. When God sets the pace, you can guarantee he will be developing deeper integrity in our lives. You can guarantee that he will be deepening our faith. He will be doing a work within us. He will be taking us to a place on the inward journey where there's a deepening that he can place in that point of deepening faith that will launch us into our future. The walk of prophecy is all about those times when there's a breakthrough of revelation and God is speaking and we are responding emotionally. We are responding in, in our cognitive processes. There's a cognizance in a spirit that resonates when we begin to hear what God is saying and we go to a place of intimacy with him. God sets the pace. He will develop faithfulness in our lives that no matter what's taking place in the walk of prophecy, we will be faithful to Almighty God. We will be faithful to the call he has placed upon our lives. We will be faithful to the moral standards of the kingdom of God and the covenants that are contained in the kingdom of God. Walk of prophecy is a powerful time of discipleship. The Holy Spirit will often press in deeply to our lives in those cycles. That means pressure. Sometimes the pressure that we encounter in the daily walk of prophecy is the pressure of the Holy Spirit, where He will not let go of an area until we surrender and we align ourselves with what He's saying. We may negotiate with him, bargain with him, go into times of denial with him, but the pressure continues, the pressure continues, the pressure increases. A key word for you and I in the walk of prophecy is simply adjustment. To be willing to move towards adjustment especially when there's intensity of emotion, relational disappointment, and we're building a case in our minds regarding our immediate history that may or may not involve a person or a people. I jokingly said at Beth Messiah yesterday, blessed are the flexible. But it's so important we have an innate flexibility in our spirituality Otherwise, we will move into tunnel vision time and time again. In the walk of prophecy, it's very easy to move into tunnel vision and belligerence. No one dare for a moment even suggest that I might be wrong. God works in the core of our being in those times and gives us desires This is why the walk of prophecy is so vital. It's where the kingdom of God is worked through at a practical level that results in authentic discipleship that the world around us 
recognizes the two most common desires, prominent desires that come through in our walk of prophecy. Simply, when we are processing to have a very strong desire to learn from everything we've gone through, even the worst of seasons, the most destructive of seasons contain within them very powerful learning curves. As we mature, so our language reflects all we have learned. But the best desire that comes through is what we have discovered about Jesus in the walk of prophecy, in all of the processes that we have gone around, part of the ongoing frustration in my own life as big things hit, and I pray, and the Lord doesn't deal with the central issue, but begins to turn up around that and brings forth blessing, begins to do really good things, but the core issue remains the same. It often intensifies or deteriorates rather than being addressed. That's one learning outcome that has infiltrated my own thoughts over the years. That's often what the Lord does. He ignores the core issue and begins to work in other areas. And if I'm under the Lordship of Jesus, that's more his business than my business. To discover along the way the ways of Jesus, to understand along the way how God works in their lives. It's always an upward journey and a journey whereby we are, move, we are moving forward. Breakthrough in the walk of prophecy takes us to the new. Whether it's a new expression of righteousness in our character, a new house, a new career, a new opportunity as part of our responsibility. As new creations, we need to enjoy putting on the new. I feel the miracle of the new birth. So we continue to change organically in our character. We've become over the years men and women of character. When that increased process continues, enjoy taking on the new in your God-given character where you are continually being conformed to the image of God's Son. But ultimately, the most powerful part of the walk of prophecy is a shift in our perceptions you see, this is an inside job. It's not so much what's going to happen in the external aspects of our life. It's what's going on within. I said at the beginning of my message that we can cleanse the eyes of our spirits daily. We can cleanse the ears of our spirits daily. God wants to change the perception that comes forth from the eyes of a spirit through the walk of prophecy, that our perceptions are aligned by God's purpose for our lives. Many of you have been part of this fellowship for many years. You have a common perception one of another. 
There's a perception you'll have. This has come about through many years of relationship, seeing each other in the best of times and seeing one another in the worst of times. Perception is something that changes slowly. But perception is something we have in the new creation as worked through by the the God of grace. That in the cognitive processes of a spirit, we begin to see differently. We see something on a distant horizon that gets closer over months sometimes years, then our perception changes. That's the power of divine purpose. That's the power of our perceptions being aligned by God's purpose. Our perceptions are populated and constructed by insights, intuition, Evidence of growing spiritually is reflected in our intuition. Not when we're being soulish and judgmental and opinionated about a person, a circumstance, or an institution, but the intuition we carry regarding a person, a circumstance, an institution, are revelatory insights. They're revelatory because... They carry a language of grace. They carry a knowledge of God. Part of our growth in the realm of perception is developing an ability to perceive. That should be part of our daily training as we learn to read the Scriptures prophetically. What do I perceive in this portion of Scripture? There we pause and we don't say to the Lord, you've got 30 seconds to answer that question. We can write scriptures over and over again, meditate on them. Some of the, you that are musically inclined even set the scriptures you're reflecting on to some music. And there, your ability to perceive, will grow, deepen, and bring you to a place of enrichment that's a vital ingredient of the walk of prophecy. I realize a lot of this message has been detail-oriented, and that is absolutely true, for the message is about you this morning. This message, I believe, is the Lord bringing to you and I a toolbox we can pick up, maybe get wrong more before we get right, but to go to work as a people committed to the journey of prophecy that's on this collective house, as well as our individual walk of prophecy, as we make sense of the various components of our life. But knowing that in the walk of prophecy, we are a people who have heard the promises of God, walked out the promises of God and experienced the prophecies of God being fulfilled in our lives. We move into big picture so we can have a takeaway. 
None of us are called to walk out prophecy in isolation, but in community. Some truths have penetrated my own spirit in recent months. And this is something that's obvious, but I'm living in the gravitas of this truth. There's a weight to what I thought was a basic truth that I find inspirational and liberating. The simple truth is, God is in community. He's in the community of Grace Christian Fellowship, which means your journey of prophecy, your walk of prophecy, will have a community context as you walk it out individually. I'm thrilled, delighted, and inspired that the promises of God that have come to me regarding God's call in my life are working very well in my experience today. They're working out very, very well. I'm thrilled that I have faith stories to tell regarding promises that God has spoken to me, even in the aforementioned silences. God has reassured me many times in silences, and he's delivered on the back of that reassurance. Even though he didn't say it, I caught it in the ether of the silence. Think of what will happen when the promises of God start to grow outside the the boundaries of our own lives and our Milwaukee-oriented promises, USA-oriented promises. And as we transition from walking out a personal faith to a community faith, maybe a coalition of fellowships across Milwaukee levels of faith, we see the promises of God being fulfilled in the city as well as the nation and in the international communities of the earth. With God, all things are possible and God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we ask or imagine. It's an almost 55-year-old. I'm beginning to form the conclusion I'm a God kind of guy. <laughs> I really appreciate God this morning. There's a tremendous appreciation toward God and from God in my life this morning. So as we move towards the closure of the service, I'm going to pray over a few people and pray that the Lord will help us in this process. I'm so glad I'm no longer a prophetic vending machine. I think I used to be one of those in the 90s. I'm so glad now that I have the privilege and honor of being parachuted into your life by God to say some things that will work within your pre-existing journey of prophecy and enable you to grow and develop in your walk of prophecy. I'm so glad this is not all about me this morning, and I'm so glad you're not looking to me to hear from God. If you do, you are in big trouble. Do I look like Jesus Jr.? I'm so glad I'm part of a hearing community. I'm so glad that this is a time of synergy, not a time of spectator sport, but a time where the Holy Spirit can begin to move across 
this community of believers.